Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, welcome to yet another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I am once again your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Today we present to you the very first international episode of our show, recorded live at Story Hall in Melbourne, Australia, on September 8th, 2019. I was joined by Clementine Ford, a Melbourne-based writer, feminist, and author of the best-selling books, Fight Like a Girl, and Boys Will Be Boys. And now, on with the show. Would you like to read our next letter? I would love to. Thanks, everyone. We just are like handing my phone back and forth, but uh, we appreciate your bearing with us. Do, do we read the subject? Please do. Well? Yes. Subject, polyamorous rebound, question mark. Dear Prudence, my husband Dee and I have been married for nearly five years. We are both men with similar sex drives and desires, so it was not difficult to come to an agreement about opening our relationship. Recently, we hooked up with another couple for the first time, and the sparks went deeper than we thought. My husband and M really hit it off, and I was surprisingly excited to see that happen. For unrelated reasons, that other couple ended up breaking up, and Dee and I are interested in cultivating a relationship with M, who is also very interested. My only concern is that being fresh off a breakup, M is technically on the rebound, although the relationship forming with all three of us is much more serious than that. How can we continue to feed and form this relationship while being sure to let M have the space and time to fully grieve his loss? How can we be sure that we're not just planting seasonal wildflowers when we want an orchard? It's such a beautiful way to put that. That was so charming and just also like if I were coming up with a stereotype of like a gay polyamorous couple using the language of like, we want an orchard. Do you want wildflowers? Is exactly what I would do. Just like, it's so beautiful. Um, yeah. What's your, what's your thought here? Uh, I mean, firstly, I think that it's very, from someone who was monogamous, it's, it's difficult for me to, get my head into the mindset of not feeling jealousy Mm -hmm. uh, at the thought of my partner being with someone else. So I I really respect and admire people who are able to open themselves up emotionally like that. Um, And also, you know, relationships evolve and progress over time and, and the way that you can invite love in in different ways and be really open and honest about it with each other, I think is a really special thing. And and so it sounds like they have the basis of a very strong relationship that um, if, it, if it turns out that M only wants wildflowers, that perhaps they can build their orchard somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, you know, oftentimes we, if we break up from particularly long-term relationships, we often feel like, you know, we need to have time and space to grieve that loss. And sometimes we do. And, and obviously we all, all go through a different process of grief. But if you've broken up with someone after a period of seven years or 10 years or 15 years together, you've been breaking up for a long time. And maybe you 
I used to think that it was, you know, people needed to have a substantial break after they ended a long-term relationship because they needed to be able to be single again and have fun and do all the things that you didn't get to do when you were in a relationship. But probably what they didn't do in the relationship for a long time towards the end was have sex. So that's maybe what they want with other people and maybe they want the intimacy that was absent in the last few months or few years even of their relationship. And so it's actually possible to say that instead of, you know, having lots of individual experiences and really feeling my singlehood, I actually really want to have an emotional, intimate relationship with someone that I I feel like I I had lost. Yeah, and and I think, really, I think what's at stake here is just it's also very relatable to people who date one person at a time, which is just sort of like, I really care about this person. They're just coming out of a breakup. How do I kind of guarantee that they won't later feel like it's too soon? Like right now they say, yes, let's go for it. But I'm worried that secretly this is really a rebound. Mm. And I think that's just something you, you kind of have to take someone's word for. And if it later does turn out to be a rebound, that's not really something short of never dating someone unless they've just like proved they've been single for six months and have been to therapy regularly and have been like, you know, I don't know, keeping a dream journal and like are really owning their shit. You, you kind of can't always control whether or not somebody is later going to feel like, oh, this has been really fun, but actually I want to just keep playing the field or like, I love seeing you both, but I don't want to, you know, move in and start making jam together. Um, <laughs> So I think that's already hard when you're just dating one-on-one. And then when you add the fact that, like, we're an established couple, we want to invest in another deep relationship, that's wonderful. And as long as M is saying that's what he wants to, I think you can take him at his word. If he changes his mind, you will break up and it will hurt your feelings. Yeah, and that's that's really what it comes down to is that you, whether or not it's a situation exactly like this or whether or not it's one-on-one or whether or not you're the person who's left a long-term relationship and a kind of like dipping your toe back into the possibility of a new one, every situation like this is a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. You can't determine or set in stone what will happen, even if both or all parties come to it with the same intentions, which is that they want to form, they want to build that orchard. Yeah. They want to form a long-lasting intimate bond with someone you can't ever assure people's feelings. And if, if their feelings do change, you have no right to turn around and say, but you said you wanted this. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the beautiful, heartbreaking nature of love, isn't it? That, you know, we continue to invest in it. We, we, we love, we have our hearts broken, we break hearts, and we continue to invest in it and take that leap of faith despite knowing that there is a good possibility that at some point we'll find ourselves huddled on the floor, (laughs) clutching a bottle of vodka and crying and screaming, why? I mean, at least in this situation, if that does happen, you will have your husband. (laughs) Um, And that's, I think, one of the sort of uniquely challenging but also really lovely things that's possible about certain kinds of open relationships is you might both be going through a breakup at the same time and sometimes that can make it twice as hard and sometimes you can both look after one another. So... I would mostly say, you know, take things slowly with this new guy. Like, he is just coming out of a new relationship. If you are looking for something long-term, there's no need to rush. Um, Because if you're planning on growing an orchard, you know, you don't need to, like, rush into the next 20 years. So, you know, move slowly, take stock, talk a lot with each other, both you and your husband, your husband and this new guy, all three of you. Like, make sure you're all checking in pretty regularly. Um, 
and, and, you know, talk maybe with other friends of yours who are also in various open relationships, since this is something that's kind of new for you, and ask, like, you know, what do you wish that you had known when you started on this? Um, what's the best way to prepare for maybe two people going through a breakup at the same time? How can we make sure that we're not, um, you know, letting our wishful thinking kind of cloud our judgment? But then also, at, ultimately, you know, if somebody says, I am ready and interested in dating you, Take them at their word unless and until they change their mind. Yeah. And surrender to it. And have a great time. Um, I hope you all have a blast and that you end up with wonderful trees. <laughs> I think that's really sweet. All right. So it is time for the next letter and I will read it. The subject is blended family deal breaker. Dear Prudence, my girlfriend, Sue, has two kids, 14 and 16. I get along with them pretty well. Sue and I have dated for a year, and we were recently discussing moving in when she threw me a curveball. She hates that I never refer to her daughters as our kids, only as Sue's kids. I told her I didn't consider her daughters mine at all. While I want a good relationship with them, they have a dad. I didn't raise them, and they're nearly adults. Sue got upset and has since slowed our relationship down because she needs time to think. I don't think I did anything wrong. Sue would have my head if I tried to discipline the girls. Not that they need it. Can you help me? If the girls were little, I could understand, but her oldest is taking early college classes this year. She doesn't need a new dad. This one was a real doozy for me when I read it uh, the first time because I'm fully on the side of the letter writer. I think it's... Well, initially when I read it, I was fully on the side of the letter writer, and I still am, but I, I also have an understanding maybe of where Sue is coming from. I feel similarly. I get where Sue is coming from. I think Sue brought it up as badly as you can. Yeah. I think if the first time you ask your partner, how do you see yourself in relation to my kids, is just, hey, why don't you call my kids our kids? <laughs> you just skipped 12 conversations. Yeah. And, you know, he, the letter writer makes an excellent point. The kids have a dad. Yeah. They don't need a new dad, and the girls aren't his girls. Um, that doesn't mean that he's not willing to be, you know, a, a loving, committed member of the family. I feel like thinking about Sue's motivations here, I, I sense that they come from a place of insecurity, Yeah, particularly for mothers, like single mothers who date after a breakup and they have children, that sense that, their children this is this will sound strange i don't mean it the way that it sounds but the sense that the children will be seen as a liability in the eyes of potential romantic partners right and it's very hard to kind of straddle that line between saying my children if you if you don't want anything to do with my children then that's a deal breaker for me because obviously they are the most important people in my life and also being a human being that desires intimacy and partnership and wants someone to love their children so i feel like her motivation is coming from a desire really to see and witness commitment to her family in the only way that she understands commitment to family which is to claim ownership over it mm. And maybe what he needs to do is help her to realise that his commitment and love can, can come in other ways. And, and a large part of that is showing respect for the fact that they have their own father and that his role is separate to that and she will always be their mother and the primary 
leader and teacher and disciplinarian, if you want to call it that, and that he he can exist in a separate role to that and that doesn't have any impact or bearing on how much he loves her or how much he even loves her daughters. Yeah. Yeah, I, my, my read on this letter was that um, this guy sounds like warm towards the kids. It doesn't sound like he's like, man, I hate these kids. I think of them as like barnacles clinging onto my girlfriend. I wish I could, you know, send them off to boarding school. So I do think, I, you know, I can understand why Sue, you know, I can have a lot of flexibility for somebody bringing up something important in a sort of clumsy or inexpert way. So if I were the letter writer and right now we're in this cooling off period, I think I would go back to Sue and I would say something like, I would love to have this conversation again. I feel like everything that you wanted to talk about was important and I understand why it matters to you, but I felt kind of thrown by this, the way that you asked this question of me. So just so you know where I'm coming from, I don't want to try to um, overstep my boundaries with the kids. I know and respect the fact that they already have a father. That doesn't mean I don't think of them as part of my extended family. Um, But like, for example, I don't think of myself as somebody with responsibility for like disciplining them. And I, you know, they've never asked me to call them dad. They have a dad. I want to respect that. Um, That said, I care about them. Uh, I I think of them as part of my family. Can we talk a little bit about, about what my relationship to them might be that's not just like dad part two? Um, cause she may then very well be like, oh gosh, you're right. I wouldn't want you to like ground the kids when they got, I would want that to be my purview. Um, and you might be able to kind of figure out what relationship you two can agree on, what limits, you know, um, ways in which you might relate to the kids. And, but if she comes back and she just says like, nope, I want you to think of yourself as their dad. And if you don't, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. You two have maybe reached the end of the road. And personally, I feel like if that were her response, I want you to feel like you are their dad, then I think you would need to ask the question of if she's even the right woman for you or if that's the right relationship for you. And absent in any of the explanation here is any suggestion that the girls have been asked for what they want. I suspect that they don't want to be referred to as his daughters. They know that they have a dad. Um, It's unclear what the relationship is with the father, but it seems like it's positive and healthy. I think that it would be fair to assume that. Uh, I I doubt very much that they want to be referred to as our kids, which isn't the same as him being able to refer to our family. But our kids is a very distinct claim of ownership that suggests to outsiders as well that these children were made between these two people. And if they've only been dating for a year as well, I feel like that's kind of on Sue's part not just jumping the gun and not just also really expecting a lot of emotional responsibility from someone for whom the relationship is really still growing, but also disrespecting all of the work that goes into raising children to the age of 14 and 16, that if someone can just walk in and within a year say, well, these are our kids... Yeah, and I can certainly imagine, like, if you and Sue stayed together and things went really well and the three of you all had a really effective co-parenting relationship, I can certainly imagine a couple of years down the line, kind of, it's understood there's there's three parents here. Not everybody was involved in the very beginning, but you might loosely say our kids. It's very European, what have you. Um, but yeah, to, to jump to that right now without any conversations in between is a lot. And it might be one thing to say, like, oh, I'm taking the kids around later, but, like, our kids is a lot. Um, and, and it doesn't mean I don't think of them as family, but it's just, let's talk about this first. So, I, I, And I like what you 
suggested in terms of having that conversation, but I would also recommend that they have that conversation privately together, but, but also at some point open it up to a conversation with the girls, asking them what they want, because they are members of that family as well. And there's nothing worse than living in a situation where you're the child and you feel like you're, you have no power and a relationship is being forced onto you that you didn't ask for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that all this is good potential conversations you might have down the road. It may also be, you know, the letter writer says Sue has already kind of cooled things off. It may be you go back and try to have this conversation and Sue is just already kind of over it, in which case, you know, probably for the best that you didn't put the girls through a number of conversations about what do you want to call me? And then you and Sue break up. Um, but good luck. I, I, I do feel for you. I, I hope Sue is able to have this conversation again um, without kind of immediately assuming that you don't want to call the kids your kids because you don't care about them mm-hmm. and you have no interest in them. And, and you know, by um, extension, don't care about Sue. Right. Good luck. I hope you're also able to plant a very different kind of orchard, but <laughs> in terms of families and trees and so on. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Live production by Faith Smith. And special thanks to the very kind people at the Melbourne Writers Festival and Story Hall who helped make this happen. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. And remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash prudipod to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401 371 dear that's 3327 and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show you don't have to use your real name or location and at your request we can even alter the sound of your voice keep it short 30 seconds a minute tops thanks thanks